Hello, Metro Augusta. Hello, Georgia. And hello, wherever you are. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the December 6th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. If you haven't already, please follow Local Matters on Facebook. And of course, we ask you to also subscribe to our YouTube channel. When you follow and subscribe, you get notification when we drop new episodes. And that lets us know that you support our efforts. Local Matters family, today we have someone who is new to the Local Matters family. Um, I did a swap cast with her um, earlier. I had a chance to go on her Facebook Live, and she is returning the favor by joining Local Matters here today. She is Miss Elizabeth Hope Brown, and we're going to do this as part of our citizen series. You know, every now and then we'll bring in a citizen just to have them sort of talk through how they feel about government, how they feel about voting, uh, and things like that. So, Elizabeth, thanks so much for agreeing to join us today. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. Yes, yes. Thanks so much. Tradition is we always start by asking our guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, just a couple minutes for background and perspective to help our audience connect with who you are. Okay. I am Elizabeth Hope Brown. Uh, you met me in the capacity as an author. I am the author of the She Rest book series in 2016. My daughter and I established EST 1441 Publishing, and we are working on a seven book series of which two have been completed. Um, I also have worked in public service work for the last 30 years nearly. Um, I'm a graduate of Augusta University. I'm a mom of three college graduates and now young adults. I recently this year became a grandmother of one. Um, we met in the capacity of a mix and mingler. So I try to do as much community uh, outreach as I can to stay abreast upon what type of resources are available. Uh, most of the work that I've done in public service work has to do with community service coordination. So connecting clients with resources in the community. So I try to stay as well versed as possible um, in all genres, be it politics or social services or health and wellness or mental and psychiatry behavior health. Because when we're dealing with a client, we're not just dealing with one particular issue. We try to stay abreast upon any issues that may come up in their lives. So I've worked at... Um, MCG in psychiatry and behavior health. I've worked at Walton Options for Independent Living. I've worked for five years as a resident services director at the East Georgia Housing Authority. So I've worked in several different genres, but the ultimate core uh, services have been the same in that we reach people where they are and help them come up with plan of actions to where they would desire to be. Okay, awesome, awesome. Now, what was your degree in at Augusta University? Social work. I'm actually one of the initial, we are the grandfathered in class. We started the social work program at Augusta University. So anybody that came through the program after that came after us. I was the original class, social work class at Augusta University. Okay. Very good. Very good. Just wanted to throw that out. Because sometimes we have young listeners and they kind of need to know what backgrounds it requires to do certain types of jobs. So that's why I asked the question. 
So, no, I did I did an associate's degree first in social services and community development. And mm -hmm. then when I transferred over uh, as a non-traditional student at Augusta University, they had just started the Bachelor of Social Work program there. And then I started, but I did not complete my MAT for education. Okay, excellent. And where did you get the associate degree? In Sacramento City College. Okay. Speaking of Sacramento, you told me that you're actually from California as we were getting prepared. So what brought you to Augusta GA from Sacramento? So I actually was born in Georgia, moved to Sacramento, California as a toddler. And when I got to college age, I wanted to come back to an HBCU. Mm -hmm. So I came to Morris Brown College in Atlanta and I stayed for three semesters and then my money got funny, things got strange. And I came back home, which is how I ended up finishing my associates at Sacramento City College. I got young, I got married young, and I wanted to finish my education because I had a young growing family, and it was less expensive to do it to come back to Georgia to finish it. So I've been kind of back and forth, but basically from the time I was two until I graduated high school, I lived in Sacramento, California, and then as an adult for the last twenty years, I've been a resident of the state of Georgia. So you came back here just because it was going to be less expensive to live? Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's a reason to be in the sunny South. All right. It was less expensive to live, less expensive to get in a higher degree in education. The U.S. Mm -hmm. system, UC system in California is very expensive. So you're privileged elite pretty much unless you get a very good uh, D1 or D2 scholarship or something like that. And even that is very competitive in California because of the size and mass of people here. Um, my mom was a registered nurse for over 45 years. And what she made on the federal scale didn't allow for a lot of financial aid based on, uh, I learned that later on, like what people, what two people make in Georgia, one person I make in California. So when you're trying to get federal funds for anything, be it grants or for education, you're at the bottom of the barrel because they could, on the federal scale, you're not needy. So okay. got it. Got it. OK, well, here in Georgia, um, have gotten involved in our community, as you say, attending a number of events and community activities and things. Um, I want to ask then take that to segue into how you feel about uh, government government services here um first question i'd like to ask do you vote all the time or do you kind of skip it sometimes i have voted every year since i was 18 i've never missed a voting season in california or in georgia now i will say i vote more more informed and more aggressive in that i used to always vote during the presidential election and i thought that that was voting uh, it wasn't until i got older and of age and i realized voting was much more than just vote for the president of the united states it is also about voting for your state and local representation as well okay which gets to the heart of local matters one of the things that makes me do this has led me to do this is I would hear people say during the presidential election year, you know, we all got to get out here and vote because we got to get this joker out of here. Right. <laughs> By the same token, though, I didn't see that level of fervor or interest related to their local elections. Right. So when you go to vote in even numbered years, 
in particular, you know, governors at the top on one even number year, Governor Georgia, and then uh, president is the next two years, the president is going to be up. You know, every two years you're electing either the head of your state government or the head of your federal, federal government. But every two years, that's going to be something at the local level that's going to be on your local or state level that's going to be on your ballot, like your state representatives, state senators, maybe some rep referendum. Um, you're going to have uh, usually somebody at the local level, either school board or uh, Augusta Commission uh, here in the Augusta area and throughout the state of Georgia, you know, there's a chance, you know, some other county elections, judges and all those folks uh, are going to be on the ballot. And people don't, for whatever reason, demonstrate just that same, you know, I got to go get out there and vote for that. So what was the turning point for you when you start realizing, hey, there is more for me to think about? Was there some triggering moment? No, not a trigger moment. I think life experiences and exposure and where you work and how certain things affect your job. Like I said, I've worked in public service work. So for me, you know, every four years, you know, the big election was for the president. And you don't realize that 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 vote for the president may not go directly to that person that you vote for based on how the general population in your area votes more so with your local voting your voice really matters because your your direct count vote you know every vote does count and it really does matter for me the shift came in when i started working certain jobs and say like when i worked in uh at mcg in psychiatry behavior health of course, you become more versed in situations and matters that dealt with mental health and what was available in the community. What did you need to go advocate for? Going to certain trainings, you know, out the state, you know, national conference trainings to learn about things that we needed to go to Capitol Hill. I work with grants. And so I've worked with grants through the Department of Labor, through HRSA, through um, SAMHSA. So when they would train me for different grants, then I would go to Capitol Hill and advocate for certain things. So the more I got exposed, like well, one year we went, they set us up an appointment to see uh, John Lewis, Rick Allen. So you learn who your elected officials were through that job capacity. So for me, it was more so my life experience. But then having children in the school system, you start learning about things in the matters of what, you know, Okay, this superintendent did that. Who's on the school board in my area? You know, when things come up with my kids, whether it was advocating for the sport, they all three played sports. So for me, my 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 vineyard grew as my experiences grew and my social uh, you know requirements within my personal needs with my family grew. So as I got older, as I got more exposed, I learned more about the things that affected me and being an advocate of change personally and professionally asking those questions, okay, well, who do I need to go to to get this thing done or to get, make this change? And so that's how my, my voting expanded from every four years to every two years to special elections to as needed. So that was what it was for for me. But I live a very diverse life. And so for me, it was really different. But I know a lot of people live very systematic lives. So if they do that presidential, they, they're like I was. They thought they did what needed to be done, you know. I voted for a president. <laughs> and I love that. The summary of what really you said. That once you vote for the president, the president office makes a decision for the state, the local, and, you know, smaller matters. And it's really not how it works. But you think that. It's not how it works at all. So, but, but even going to high school, even going to college, taking poli-sci, 
some kind of way, I still, all the educational that I got, I still miss the real bigger impact on how our voting really took place until I got into the workforce and until I had a family, until I had children, where local things really mattered to us. Okay. And I love that. Local things matter. Local matters. Got it. Yes, <laughs> and the civic education piece that you mentioned, that's something that I, I was at a conference last year uh, or earlier this year, actually, and they were talking about how funding for civic education has decreased over wow. the years. Right. Um, so there's less and less of an attempt through traditional public school systems right. to teach kids, you know, normally eighth grade, you take civics or what have you. There's less of an effort and less resources going toward really teaching kids how all that works. And that results in the type of confusion that you right. didn't get resolved until you were an right. adult and you start seeing, well, why isn't there more money for mental health services and that sort of thing? And you right. figured out right. that it's because of some right. decisions that are being made. Right. In particular, at the state level, you know, there's an awful lot more that, that could right. be done. Okay. All right. Thanks so much for sharing that. I appreciate your honesty because that uh, really is consistent with things that, that I've heard uh, over the, the last, you know, few years as I've done this. Um, I've just learned more and more about how little attempts have been made to let people know how important each level of government is. Um, right. So I'm a PBS kid, too. So you watch the, you know, I'm just a bill, just an average bill. And I'm sitting mm -hmm. on Capitol Hill and how right. the bill goes to these different legislative offices. It still did not connect to me until it really applied to me directly. It's kind of like one of those things that as long as it's not affecting you, it doesn't matter. But until you get denied for government services, you know, until you become a single parent and then you understand how aid works. I was divorced with three kids and making thirty some thousand dollars a year, and they said I, I wasn't eligible for any help. So then you start learning, like, okay, well, who is? You know, because at this point, I'm literally going to food pantries and you know, getting help from family and friends to make it month to month. And that's what working full time with benefits and having technically mm -hmm. supposedly a good job. So when you start learning, you know how things are appropriated, and then I start working for the housing authority and local government. That's a whole different, you know way of doing things that was going from working with working at MCG to working with local government. So it's just really different in every level. So I had to re-educate myself each time. So exactly, exactly. So you got it after that exposure. You say, hey, I really need to be paying attention to what's happening at the local level too. Um right. <laughs> and you start doing that. And you kept voting. <laughs> like instead of every four years, you made it every two. Start um, voting more and start voting more informed, you know, learning how to more the, okay. uh, sample ballots, starting to Google, you know, now Google is, is everybody's best friend. So you can go online and Google your candidate where so before you depended more upon a lot of the paparazzi and the propaganda on news and radio and commercials. But now you can really go into detail about their, you know, history, their bios, what they've done, what they've accomplished on your own without having to hear so much of the mockery, you know, in between. So. Excellent. Now, tell me this. Now that you do know more and you're voting in a more confident manner, you, you know more about the issues and so forth. Tell me whether you feel like you're really connected to your local government, your local government, your school board, your state government. Do you feel really connected to it or is it still something so, out there? I like how you said in a more confident manner. 
I will say it still is case by case uh, basis and the need in my life at that time. So, you know, we saw more when Obama was getting elected, you know, you saw more of a different community come out and a different culture come out to vote. Then we had to shift, you know, after he did two terms. And so there was a loss of interest for some people. I still voted, but I can't say my passion was the same. Um, my kids are all adults now. So when they were children, it was certain things locally in the school system. And even with crime and all that, I was paying more attention to wherefore now, um, Fortunately, I don't have to deal with that as much. So I can't say I'm as confident in voting because I have had some recent health issues and I haven't been as connected in the community. So I'm feeling like I have that distance again where before when I was stronger and healthier and my kids were younger and I was married at the time to a pastor, you know, so we did a lot of things in the community. So I stayed much more involved and connected. Now I feel a little more distant. You know, when you asked me which district I was in, I was like, I think I'm in seven. No, maybe it's five. And then it is seven. You know, I had to go back and do my homework. <laughs> it's still seven. I haven't moved. But for some reason, in that moment, I couldn't answer that question right away. So I definitely have lost some of that connectivity. Um, I, I think uh, I referenced it to you prior to our recording that I think that with COVID, distancing ourselves so much with a lot of fellowship and outreach that we used to do, and then a lot of distance that we've seen now in churches and uh, large gatherings, that there's a disconnect in a lot of areas of our lives to include politics. Because I don't know the current um, persons in local politics like I usually do. I, can, you, I used to be able to tell you, you know, oh, this is the mayor. This is what he does. This is where he's from. This is who his wife is. I can't tell you that now. And I've met him on several occasions. And each time it's like a blurb. And it's like the first time reintroducing myself. Um, I was telling you, I don't know who, to, who I don't know who the tax commissioner is. I even looked him up to see if I recognize his face. I don't know him, you know. And for years I knew who the tax commissioner was. Our children went to the same school. We used to fellowship in the same church. So um, I'm not as connected as I am, am I confident that if I needed to find out more about them, if I was interested? Absolutely. But do I feel like the natural migration before is there? It's not right now for me. Okay. All right. Thanks for that. Um, and if you, about, I know everybody has their issues with Augusta or has has concerns or things that they think they would want to change um, for you, if, if you could just wave a magic wand and change something about uh, the Augusta area or the state of Georgia, tell me what it would be. Diversity in a real fashion of diversity. So I'm in California right now and I walked in this office and the energy of the staff was superb. They were all like, oh, hi, how are you doing? You know, so glad to meet you. You know, oh, you know, introducing themselves. And the very first thing that I noticed was the diversity of the office. And when I say diversity, I'm not talking about black and white or, you know, African-American, Caucasian. I mean, like two Latinos, a Filipino, uh, African-American, white. So if I could wave my wand for the state of Georgia, it definitely would be a more inclusive and diverse population, you know, because the differences of us is so different, but so much alike. And we could just learn so much from each other that um, that's been my thing for 20 years living in Georgia. Diversity is not just black and white. And when we can blend black and white together, we've accomplished something in the state of Georgia. Um, wherefore, being more inclusive of all generations and populations, um, that would be my biggest thing. Okay. All right. 
And I can see that from somebody who's lived in California, which is one of the most diverse yeah. states in the country. Um, also, in terms of the services, you told me that you feel somewhat less connected to government. Some of that has to do with some personal things going on with you and the pandemic and so forth. Right. So you're not as, as, as um, uh, don't know the elected officials and things as well as you used to. Um, in terms of the overall services provided by the government, um, you think about the basic stuff, tax, tax uh, excuse me, tax collection is one. I was saying the trash collection, uh, parks and recreation, roads, maintenance. Um, when you think about all those things, those types of things, I, I mean, how, how do you feel about services? Are there things about services that you would want to change? The city bus would be the biggest one, I think. Fortunately, in the 20 years that I've been in Augusta, I have had a vehicle. But as, as there was a season when I worked with Walton Options, and I could not believe the city bus services were very limited. And it seems that 20 years later, something coming every two hours or so uh, in a very restricted parameter, uh, it's not public service uh, transportation. I fortunately have lived in an area where the maintenance of the roads and the trash and the upkeep and stuff like that has been fairly well. So I don't have any major complaints. And if they would be things that we couldn't change, it'd be nature because I have environmental allergies. So <laughs> that, that environmental allergies isn't something that we could vote on versus that's just way to <laughs> set up. But public transportation, I think, has been one, one of my biggest surprises um, coming into a city, you know, one of the, the top three cities and populations in the state to not have better transit uh, was a concern. And it's been a concern, I know. It's gotten supposedly better, uh, but that's probably as far as city and state services that I can think of. You know, I, trash and all of that, I haven't been in areas where our trash didn't get picked up properly, so I can't attest to that being a problem. Okay. Yeah, one of the things with transit, it is a, a struggle for Augusta because we're just not densely populated enough to make it work. Augusta is a tough place to do transit because we're just too spread out. Transit works when the population is really dense, like New York City, you know, for instance. Um, you've got to have a lot of people and the, they need to be going in the same direction. And Augusta is just so spread out that it makes transit a real challenge for Augusta to deliver in a cost-effective manner, um, right. which, of course, doesn't help the person who needs it, but it's sort of the reality of what you get when you're dealing with public transportation. Um, other local government services like uh, public safety, sheriff's office, the jail, courts, uh, parks and recreation, Utilities, Augusta Utilities Department, where you can get in your water, sewer, right. you know, all those things all provided by the city government as well. And then on the state side, you know, the state funds, uh, things you were talking about, mental health services earlier, um, yeah, they developmental disability services. Um, they're just an array of things that the state provides. So just with any of the rest of those services, are there any things you'd like to share? Well, I will say like with the court system, initially it was behind and then with COVID, it got back even more behind. Now that we're back in session, I know someone that's been in the jail system, uh, their mom, I know their mom. And she said that he had been there for like two years almost and still haven't had a court date. 
he's just been accused of a crime and arrested. They had a warrant out for him. And so in addition to the delay in going to court, you know, there's a concern of the overcrowding and then the safety. And then they've had, you know, the health issues on the state level and on the local level. You know, we've seen the person pass away in Atlanta with the bed bugs and then locally someone recently committed suicide. And then with the youth that they had the guy getting his uh, head flushed down in the toilet. The guy, young guy used to go to church with us really broke my heart. And so with those type of issues, I think that I don't personally have anyone in the system right now, but we know of someone you know, who's been affected by it. And I think that regardless if they've done something wrong or if they found themselves to being accused of doing something wrong, those type of things shouldn't be of concern, especially if they're not guilty of what they're being accused of to have to suffer through those type of traumas. City of Parks and Recreation, I've had to work with them on doing family reunions and um, I'm hosting an event coming up uh, in September uh, of 2024. And the fact that they fill up in two years, you know, in advance, maybe working on getting us more facilities or larger facilities because it's so hard to find places. If you want to do an event that have a hundred people or more, you're gonna have a hard time booking anything within, you know, the city parks and recreation. Now growing up, the staff have been phenomenal working with my children. Uh they played sports, they did the basketball rotation, they did soccer, they did, you know, didn't ever have a problem with those type of things on a smaller level. But when you start going into the larger events, um Definitely had some concerns in that area um, that I could think of with the city and state and local services. Definitely for me, though, um, I used to tell people moving from Sacramento and moving to Augusta was like moving out from the Jetsons and moving in with the Flintstones because it was certain things like they didn't even have like ATM banking when I first moved here and I had to go inside the bank and I had been working since I was 15. And so I, had, I couldn't remember ever going in the bank to have to cash a check. Cause they didn't have like direct deposits and stuff then when I first moved here 20 years ago. Oh yeah. It was, it was bad. I promise you they didn't have it. You had to I, talking to a teller. That was, <laughs> that was so like not common. A lot of places didn't take ATM, like fast food, KFC, McDonald's. It was really, and that was just 20 years ago. Where in California. They had been doing that already for like, you know, 10, 20 years. So I think that just being in the Southeast for me, um, balancing visiting my mom and them and then coming back to Augusta and trying to work, especially in the supervisory position, it's been a challenge because I have to pace myself differently. And even waiting on the process when they're doing state and local, even working in local government in East Georgia, I couldn't understand why I was taking so long to do things that I'm like, this is not that hard and it doesn't take that long, but then getting the culture to be open-minded to change and doing things new and different probably slowed down the paperwork because people had to be willing to, you know, want to submit that paperwork to do things that are different. So I think that um, even as a culture of people, sometimes when we see things could be done more efficiently, whether it's the transportation or trash or the jailing system, you have to have the mindset of the people be willing to be to to be open-minded to not only vote, but to advocate and to make those changes that need to be made and where they see in other states. I know you've left the area and come back. And so maybe have seen where things can be done more efficient but if the culture and the community of people are not ready for those changes, it's not going to matter. You know, they're going to keep voting the way they know to vote because that's the way they've been told to vote. But being open minded to vote differently, it's going to be scary for a lot of people that have grown up in the local areas and never have left. Thank you so much. We are just about out of time. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective. It's really interesting hearing from somebody who has lived 
in another state and then moved here and, and how things uh, compare. So you're telling us on one hand, it's a lot less expensive to be on a, in Georgia, but um, there are also some advances that the the area was definitely behind schedule on. Well, it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me to communicate. My natural language is I speak fast. And so and it's not that people aren't intelligent. They're very intelligent. But that fear of change is very big and it's very real. And it breaks up a lot of uh, systems of old ways of doing things, whether a certain family has always done a certain particular thing or a certain organization has always done something a certain way or a certain particular person. So when you come in and even being there 20 years, you can still be viewed as a person from the outside trying to disrupt protocol, you know, and that's really scary for some people. And some people within those protocols, they want to change, but they don't change their vote because they know it's going to disrupt the reputation that they may have with the people within those organizations and systems. So here we are still doing things that are maybe not as efficient as they could be because people. So I think that not just blaming the elected officials, you have to look at the community that they're serving, too, because sometimes the elected officials may want to do things differently. But if the culture of people are not showing that support, it's going to be hard to really, you know, uh, impose it. So. All right. It does make it hard. Thanks so much, uh, you all. This has been Elizabeth Hope Brown, uh, part of our Citizen Series on uh, telling us a little bit about her perspective on um, government, state, local, federal, uh, and how we improve our quality of life. I close with my favorite Bible verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m., or Thursday at 7 p.m. here on 103.7 FM or 1600 AM. Or please go to SoundCloud, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts at any time because local matters.